You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. You know, sometimes I'm supposed to hit these cues to come up here as the band is finishing up to pray, and I just get kind of lost in worship and, 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 and almost miss those. Is that okay? Is everybody cool with that? If that's fine, if, if your pastor kind of gets lost in worship and starts crying like a little girl and just gets kind of excited about who God is, come on, amen. And grab your Bibles, if you would, and go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time together, and I promise we're going to get there in a minute. Um, today, we are in part two of a series called Life with Jesus. And this series is just kind of coming straight out of my journal. Just some devotions that I've been having, some time I've been diving into the Word, asking God to teach me something. And what, I've been, what, I, what started all this is as I walk through the Gospels, Gospels being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the stories that we have in our New Testament recording the life and teachings and miracles and, and, and all that Jesus said and did. And when you start looking at that and you really dig deep, deep into it, it messes you up, Amen. Somebody, come on. Like when you really look at the life of Jesus and when you look at what it really means to do life with Jesus, there's no better place to discover that concept than the people that actually did it, right? The, the 12 guys that actually got to do life with Jesus on this planet. Those 12 guys that Jesus just kind of met along the way of his earthly ministry and he invited them with a very specifically worded invitation. Let's look at it. It's, it's going to be on the screen. Matthew chapter 5. Invitations like this. Verse 18. It says, when Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. That was their occupation. Sometimes your occupation is not your calling. Amen, somebody? That'd be a good sermon, wouldn't it? That's another day. Verse 19. Then he said this, come, what's the next two words, church? Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Again, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Again, Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And so Jesus never called us to simply believe in some things but he called us to follow someone. And I spent my whole life believing in something. I grew up in the church. My dad pastored. I, I mean, I grew up in that whole thing my whole life, like some of you guys. I grew up believing in something. I can't ever remember a time when I didn't believe in something. But there's a difference between just believing in some things and following someone, right? That, you, know, you realize this. The devil knows who Jesus is. Like the enemy knows it. The enemy is not confused at all about the, the, the deity, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. He believes in all that. There's a difference between believing in something or some things and having the consistency and the courage to follow someone. And what Jesus' invitation was, was to follow him. And so what does that look like if we're really going to follow Jesus? If we're going to be people who do life with Jesus not just believe in something and not just go through the motions and check a bunch of boxes and kind of go through the habitual ritual thing of what it means to be some religious affiliation with somebody named Jesus, but to really do life with Jesus. And I told you this last week, that I think it means that we have to go where he goes 
see what he sees, feel what he felt, and do what he would do. And that's not very easy at all. Amen? That is a difficult calling. So last week we talked about the reality that life with Jesus is going to be uncomfortable. And we don't like to be uncomfortable. Like we spend most of our lives trying to get to a place of comfort, don't we? Like we work our whole lives to get to a place of comfort so we can make enough money so that we can live comfortably. So that we can make enough money so that we have the nicest house and and, and food on the table. Like we work really, really hard to get comfortable. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to realize life with Jesus is uncomfortable. And we saw that play out as he encountered this, this, this woman at the well. And it was his disciples were doing life with him. They ran into something, a reality that we have to to just deal with that if you're going to do life with Jesus it's going to be uncomfortable at times and one of the reasons why is because it's going to cause you to engage people in issues you would rather avoid and ignore and that story is such a great example of that but today we're really going to keep learning what it means to do life with Jesus and what I've discovered is not only is it uncomfortable there's another thing and life with Jesus it's a little bit unpredictable It's kind of unpredictable. See, another thing, we, we like life to be predictable. Anybody here just love routine? Come on, like, like you love routine. You can put your hand up. I mean, it's like, yep, yep, I like routine. They had two hands. I like that. Somebody with two hands. Like, I like routine. I, I, you know, I'm one of those people, like, my, it would freak some people out, but, it, like, I get up at the same time every day. Like, I like routine. When my wife, and my wife is a school teacher, and when she's out of school at summer and my kids are home, like, y'all need to go back to school because daddy needs his routine. You know what I mean? I mean, it just gets that place. Like, I like to do the same things. I mean, I could even eat the same food every meal. And some of y'all are like, I like variety. You know, I, I like that routine. I thrive on that. But what I found is like life with Jesus is unpredictable. And what it looks like to follow Jesus for one person in some ways can be very different than what the path looks like. We're called to follow the same person, but not walk the same path. I'll say that again, because that got not as many amens as it deserved. (laughs) We're called to follow the same person, but we don't all walk the same path. It's unpredictable. And it's so easy to look at somebody else's path and think, I wish I had their path. Because their path seems to be so much easier and more comfortable and more predictable than my path. But I think if you really boil down and dig deep into the Gospels, you can just watch how it kind of turns in a moment. And what these disciples, what these first few guys that call, were called by Jesus when they followed him, the way, it, I mean, like, it was, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride. I mean, it had some really, really high highs and some really, really low lows. And I think what's happened is, is, is when our idea, our concept of what it means to follow Jesus is off, and when it doesn't look like we thought it would look, it really rattles our faith. And that's biggest our problem. If your theology is wrong, is what you, if what you believe about Jesus is wrong, then I think how you can live for him will never be right. You make, does that make sense? If what you think about him is wrong, then how you live for him can never be right. Like, if you misunderstand what it means to do life with Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to experience this thing with Jesus, if you have a, if that's misguided enough, if that's off a little bit, then how you live for him is going to be really hard to be on track. So that's why we're diving into this series. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 14, because I want you to look what happens in one chapter to these people that did life with Jesus firsthand and got to see it firsthand. And it's two stories that you're going to be really familiar with. But I just want you to see how unpredictable life with Jesus can be. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start with verse 13. If you're ready, say amen. 
Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 13, says, when Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they may go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now that's the mentality of church people sometimes, isn't it, right? We got all these people needing, needy right here. Send them somewhere to get something. Like they need, they need to leave. This, it, it's just a solitary place and it just seems like there's nothing around here so let's send them away. Jesus replied, Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. In other words, you're saying like, why are you trying to send them to somebody else when I've called and equipped you to give them what they need? That's a deep lesson to learn, church, amen? He says, stop sending them away. Stop sending, they, they, there's a need that's here that you've noticed that you see and we're burdened by. Don't send them away. You provide them with something. And then their responses are like our response in verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. In other words, like Jesus, we don't have enough to give them what they need. Man, do we really misunderstand what it means to follow Jesus? He says, we don't have enough to give them what they need. We just have these, just these five loaves and two fish. Verse 18. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Then check out verse 20. They, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. One of the coolest miracles in Scripture. If you've been around church for more than about five seconds, you've heard this, this scripture. The Bible calls it the, the feeding of the 5,000. And it even says, like, it's not even including the women and the children. So there could be, like, this could be the feeding of, like, 20,000. Let's just say there was a, a mom there and a couple kids. Just think of thousands of kids, thousands of people that Jesus fed in this one moment. And now there's a lot of truth that we could dive into here. Number one, when, you know, little is much when God is in it. You know, I remember that song. That God can take a little bit, just a little bit of what we have, and he can multiply it and use it in a great way. It's, it's funny how God can start with something really, really small and turn it into something great. Like God can start it with just 12 people in a living room and, and birth a church called Vintage that would do really, really cool things in the community one day. Like God can take just a few things, and when he blesses it, and when he's involved in it, and his hand is upon it, then just amazing things can happen. Like this is more exciting than y'all seem to be at the moment. I'm just going to be honest. Like, it's a cool, and not only, I love how God doesn't just like give them just enough to make sure that every person has a little bit, like just enough bread and fish just to make sure like their stomach ain't growling no more. Like it says, not only did they eat, they were completely sad. It's like Thanksgiving. People unbutton their pants and sitting back, and just, I mean, they're just full. And not only are they full, the disciples go by and they're like picking up like leftovers and scraps off the ground thinking, didn't this start with just like this little boy's lunch? Like how in the world did we get here? And they're just amazed. And they're walking around, they're high-fiving people and stuff. I think this is just an awesome moment. I mean, Jesus just did something really cool. And can you imagine what it must have been like the disciples? Like they go into this thing, they're a little bit uncertain. Do we have enough? Because you know what they're probably thinking? They're probably thinking like we think at times. Like they're getting around of like, okay, like we got, we got to 100 people. We're going to run out of food. Thomas is like, I doubt we're going to be able to finish this. 
Church people always get that joke. Like, oh, is this really going to happen? You know, Peter's just going around probably just throwing handfuls. Hey, man, we got enough. It's going to be good. He's just that one that's just throwing it out by the handfuls. And all these people begin to eat. And can you imagine the disciples look at each other and like, can y'all believe this? Look at what we started with. This was just a little itty bitty 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 meal. I mean, this was a little boy's lunch. And somehow we just fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And now we're picking up scraps. And they're probably thinking, this is one of the coolest things that we've ever been able to experience with Jesus. Man, I'm so glad we followed Jesus. I'm so excited that we got to be a part of this. This is so cool. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. Y'all remember that day we fed all them thousands and thousands and thousands of people? And God just, t- I mean, this is an exciting, powerful moment. You ever had one of those moments? Like you just, you, you ever been a part, if you've never been a part of something that you knew God was in, that going into it, you knew if God didn't show up, like it was going to be really, and this is a group of hungry people. Can you imagine they only fed like a thousand people? They're getting killed, right? I mean, they get like, oh, sorry, we're out of food. I mean, it's going to be a mob of people. But you going into it, you know, like God is in it. And if God is not in it, if God doesn't bless it and God doesn't do something with it, you know, you're going to look stupid. You ever, you ever been in one of those? Like if God doesn't show up, and God doesn't show out and do what only God can do, then it's not going to work. But then he comes through, and it's powerful, and it's cool, and it's awesome. And at the end of it, like, you just walk around, and you're smiling, and you feel all good, and you're excited. And, like, you just feel like you could take on the world. And they think, all right, Jesus, what's next, man? Like, we fed 5,000. What are we going to do now? Like, we're going to uh, uh, feed, like, 40,000? Uh, what, what's going to happen next? Because that was cool, and I want to be a part of more stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff. This is why we decided to follow Jesus. It's miracles like this. This is what we wanted to be a part of. Woo! But then look what happens. Drop down to verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So the disciples are getting the boat like, man, that was awesome. We're going to have a boat. Jesus, you coming with us? No, no, I'm going I'm to go pray. Um, oh, okay. And they get in the boat, and they start rowing. The latter part of verse 23, later that night, he, Jesus, was there alone, And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffered by the waves because the wind was against it. And so all of a sudden, they're out on a boat in the middle of the water, and it feels like Jesus is somewhere else. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And by this time, if you read through the Gospels, a big storm had begun to just squall up on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's rocking the boat. It's scaring people. The wind is just whipping around. The rains are falling. And you know what they're thinking now? What in the heck are we doing following Jesus? How quickly it seems to change. They go from one minute, we're feeding 5,000, we're excited, this following Jesus thing is awesome, it's the best thing we've ever done. Now down the boat, like, why in the world are we following Jesus? Can I tell you something? If you never had a moment when you looked and thought, why am I following Jesus again? Then I don't really know if you're really following Jesus. Like, if you've never had one of those moments where you think, 
Why am I doing this again? Why, why, wait a minute, why am I really here? Then you're, you're not really following Jesus. If you're in a storm you, you didn't create or don't feel like you deserve, can I submit to you that, that you can still be following Jesus? That when they were excited on the other side, watching all these people eat, and they're high-fiving each other and excited, and it's a cool miracle, and now when they're in the boat and the storm is raging and they feel like they're going to die and they feel like they're going to drown, that in both places you can still be following Jesus. That no matter whether it's miracle or mayhem, you can still be following Jesus. Verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And they said, Why? And now again, understand, sometimes I think we read these and we think, Oh, the boat was just kind of rocking a little bit. Remember, we just saw Peter, Peter and Andrew, what, they were what, fishermen? So they weren't strangers to being on the water. So I could imagine like in their fishing career and knowing this culture, their dad was probably a fisherman too. So they grew up on boats. They grew up on the water. So for a storm to freak them out, it had to be pretty bad, right? It just wasn't like this little simple storm. Like they are terrified out there. And so much so in the storm, there's times when the storm seems so bad, Jesus can be right there and, uh, and we not recognize him. That's what happens. They, they, you see, they said they think he's a ghost. Because see, sometimes when, it's easy to recognize Jesus in the miracle. Sometimes it's hard to see him in the mayhem. That's good. Right? It's easy to recognize Jesus in the miracle because God's good, right? So he does miracles. Can I submit something to you? God is good. But that doesn't mean following him is safe. See, that, that's where our theology gets messed up, isn't it? Well, God's good, and because God's good, he wants me to be safe and dry. And so we think if we're safe and dry, then we must be following Jesus right. And our whole goal is to stay safe and dry. I want to be safe and dry. I don't want to be scared and wet. I want to stay safe and dry. And we would much rather stay safe and dry, and we want to spend most of our lives safe and dry. And we think, I'm really following Jesus if I'm safe and dry. When I can submit to you, maybe that's not true. That just because God is good doesn't mean following him will always be safe. And there's times that risk will be involved and require you to leave the comfort, dry, safe, predictable boat and step out into uncharted waters. Look what happens next. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, here goes Peter. Oh, Petey. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I, every time I tell this story, I have to think, Peter has no idea what's he, what he's saying. I think he's saying, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out there. And then this is why in verse 29, come, he said. And Peter's like, what do you say? Like for real? out there like seriously again Peter had probably fallen in the water a time or two isn't that easy probably to think about like he's pulling the nets out and he's working hard he's probably tipped over the boat and there's been times and like every time guess what 100% of the time he has sunk like without fail like he's never fallen out of the boat into the water and not went under 
And here in this moment, he looks at Jesus and says, if that's you, tell me to come on out there. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And now again, I think some of us, we think Peter just kind of ran and did like a cannonball and just jumped over the side. I think Peter's going... And like, 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 just testing it, right? And I think he, he kind of gets one foot out. He's like, oh, I'm not sinking. Like, this is really happening. And then he, he throws one leg over o- the other side of the boat, and now he's walking on the water. And then, obviously, we know what happens, verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. I love verse 31. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So he steps out, and he makes the one mistake you can't do, the one mistake you can't make when you're in mayhem instead of miracle. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And on to the circumstances around him. That is a terrible mistake to make. When we're in miracle or mayhem, our eyes have to always remain locked on the one that has the power to control the situation. He did the one thing we cannot do. He took his eyes off Jesus and he sank. And you know what? It's a reminder. God at times may let you sink, but he will never let you drown. You ever feel like there's moments when like you're sinking? <laughs> Like you stepped out in faith. You, you got out of the safety of the boat. You went towards God. But all of a sudden you got out there and realized, what am I doing out here? Like this was crazy. Why did I do this? Why did I take this risk? Jesus probably was going to come to the boat. Why did I open my big mouth and ask God to do something? It's, it's, be careful the prayers you're praying. Because I'm convinced there's some people in this room, you're praying prayers right now that you're not ready to have answered. Because what that answer will look like will require you to step out of the dry comfort safety of the boat and to step out into waters that you can't control and that have the potential to allow you to sink. And if you lose focus in that moment, the same thing will happen to you that happened to Peter. He will begin to sink. But he did what he had. He cried out to God. And God pulled him out. Put him back in the boat. And you notice what happens? The storm doesn't stop till they get back in the boat. The storm doesn't stop till they get back in the boat. So I think for a lot of time, I read this story, I thought when Jesus reached out and pulled Peter out, all of a sudden it went calm. And they just kind of gingerly strolled into the boat. Look, I have Peter, we're going to be fine. You know what I think? I have this image of the wind swirling and the boat continuing to rock and Jesus carrying Peter and Peter almost limping with his arms clinging to Jesus to get back to the boat. Making sure that he has to hold on to him until Jesus leads him to the safety of the boat. Because out there was out there. That was its reality. It was going to be scary and windy and cause you to lose sight of Jesus in so many ways. But it's not until they got back into the boat that the storm wasn't till post-storm. After then is when Jesus demonstrated that he had the power 
to calm it. And then the disciples were able to really grasp who he was. Verse 33, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Verse 34, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, brought, pe- brought, brought all their sick to him, and begged him to uh, let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. In one chapter, in the matter of maybe five hours, ten hours, twelve hours, the disciples go from one of the coolest moments of miracle in all of Scripture and into immediately following that one, to the, one of the most chaotic, it all breaking loose moments of mayhem that they'd ever experienced. Can I submit to you that maybe that's what it means to follow Jesus? That there's going to be times of miracle and there's going to be times of mayhem. And see, what we've convinced in our mind, our theology's gotten so messed up, is, you know what? No, following Jesus will always be about miracle. And if you're following Jesus right, and if you're following Jesus faithfully, then you're going to always experience a miracle. But if if you're being disobedient, or if you're not doing things right, God's somehow going to punish you and put you in mayhem. And that's how skewed our theology is. See, when we're in mayhem, we believe that maybe God is angry and he's punishing us. And that's kind of how we feel. Oh, God's angry, so I'm, he's punishing me, and that's why I'm here. And when we're in mayhem, we always want to know why. It's funny, when we're in miracle, we don't care why. <laughs> Nobody's saying, where'd this food come from? They're like, just give me some more, right? I mean, when we're in miracle, we don't really care why. We don't ask, God, why am I in miracle? Am I that great? But when we're in mayhem, God, why? Why, why, why? And we get so stuck in our why And our our desperate need to have that resolved that it just becomes a distraction. And we're not able to realize that the reality is when you do life with Jesus, there's going to be moments of miracle and there's going to be moments of mayhem. And you know what I've learned? It's easy to look at this and, and, and look at, well, Jesus is the one that sent them in the boat. So that's one thing is when the mayhem comes, we always wrestle this question, God, did you make it happen? Did you allow it to happen? And we kind of get stuck in all that, right? And we, we feel like we've got to know the answer to that. But you know what I've learned? That why I'm there, like how I got there, isn't as important as, the, as who can carry me through it. Like whether he did or did not put me there isn't as important as the reality that is he can carry me through it. The one that I need, the only, you know what, the only thing that you need is the one thing you can never lose, and that's the presence of an almighty God. And it's really easy when you go through these different seasons to get so frustrated and wonder why you're in these different places and to allow it to just beat you down and push you into a different place and cause you to really doubt. And can I submit to you that even that's okay? You can be fearful and faithful at the same time. 
What, Matt? That's not what? Yeah, yeah. You can be fearful and faithful at the same time. Fear is only a problem when it stands in the way of your obedience. That you can be fearful and still be obedient and therefore you're faithful. Like, I, you don't think Peter was scared to death when he was stepping over the side of that boat? He had to be. He had never done that before. He was doing something that he had never done, that he had never seen done, that went against everything in the fiber of his understanding and logic. So you don't think he was fearful, but he didn't let his fear keep him from the command of his Lord. Jesus said, come. And Peter said, I'm scared, Jesus, but I'm coming. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's Jesus, I don't understand what you're doing right now. What you're doing does not make sense. What's happening around me seems like it's really, really bad. And I'm kind of angry at you for that maybe and kind of frustrated. And I don't, there's a lot of questions I still have. But I know this, that you're calling me out of the boat and onto the water. And even though I'm scared and even though I don't know if I'm doing it, I'm coming anyway. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Life with Jesus is unpredictable. There will be moments of miracle. There will be moments of mayhem. But the reality is life with Jesus says, I'm going to be obedient no matter what. I'm going to follow you. So this is what I want you to know. If you're going to do life with Jesus, you must remain obedient in moments of miracle and mayhem. Like if you're going to do life with Jesus, you've got to know that it doesn't matter if right now you may be in a season of miracle. And that's awesome. And maybe you're in that season and you're celebrating God and you're excited and you're high-fiving everybody because life is good and you feel blessed and your marriage is going right and your finances seem to be in order and your kids ain't crazy at the moment. There's things just going good. But this is what I know because I've seen it. Following Jesus, mayhem's probably coming at some point. And you can let it derail your faith and dig you down into a pit of discouragement or maybe you can just accept the reality that this is part of following Jesus. This is part of following Jesus. And it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be uncertain. It's okay to even at times feel gripped by fear. But it's not okay to let any of those emotions in that moment keep you from doing what you know God is calling you to do. That whether it's a miracle or mayhem, you don't let the emotions or the circumstances or what's happening around you keep you from being obedient to what he's saying that you need to do. So I don't know if you're in miracle or you're in mayhem, but this is what I can tell you. If you're in mayhem, guess what? You can still be following Jesus. You can still be right where God wants you to be. And this is what I, I know you're wanting that, that season of mayhem to go by in a hurry. See, we like miracles to be long and mayhem to be short. But that's just not all the, always the way it works. Don't rush through that season because there's something God's trying to produce in you and through you and for you in it. And if you'll remain obedient to Him and focused on Him, this is what I know. You'll get to the other side. There'll be times where you feel like you're sinking, but He's not going to let you drown. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? What do you need to do to be obedient to the Lord today? Following Jesus means remaining obedient in miracle and in mayhem. And maybe your response today is to do something we call baptism. 
Baptism is an awesome way to express your, your commitment and belief and trust in Jesus. And so today, if that's the way you need to respond, if you need to respond obediently through going public with your faith, I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and stand up right now where you are, head out the back doors. A couple of our pastors will be there to meet you, to talk about what you need to do next. If you're feeling God calling you to go public with your faith and baptism, we have everything you need to do that. We have shirts, we have shorts, we have towels. We have everything we need to eliminate any excuses that might be brewing up in you go do it right now go head out stand up move through the back of the room one of our pastors will be there to meet you and give you further instructions or maybe you're here today and you know what you've been in that season of mayhem for a really really long time and you feel like maybe it's about to break you that the waters are beginning to crest over the side of the boat and it's rocking and it's been rocking for so long that you're just sick and you're really you're just tired of it. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to respond. And you just need, to, to, you just need some relief. And you just want to say, Matt, pray for me because, man, I feel like I'm about to jump ship. I'm about to just give up. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up for me? Amen. 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 You can put them down. I want to speak to everybody that just put your hand up. I'm sorry for the lies that the enemy has given you because there's time the enemy's saying, you deserve this mayhem. This mayhem is God punishing you because he's angry with you. Don't believe that. Don't buy into that lie. He's trying to distort your image of a loving God and know that there's a purpose in this storm, that God can do something in it and through it. Don't get distracted by what's happening to you and happening around you. Be focused on who's fighting for you and who's with you. Don't get bogged down in why you're there. Stay focused on who can carry you through it. Or maybe you're here and you're experiencing a season of miracle. That guy's just been good. This is what I want you, how I want, I'm about you to respond. Would you just be grateful? Just express your gratitude that God would use this season of miracle to solidify your faith, to make you secure and ready and prepared for what may be coming next. That, that this moment that you're experiencing now, all the cool things that's happening in it, that God would write those things on your heart so that when the mayhem comes, they can serve as a reminder that God is good, that God is going to carry you through it, and it would solidify all that he's trying to do in your heart. Let's spend some time talking to the Lord, seeking him, acknowledging him for who he is. It says when Peter sank and he cried out to the Lord, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and pulled him out of the waters. Trust and rest in the presence of who God is and what he's saying to you right in this moment. The reality of his presence. Trust him.
Father God, I thank you that you are real and present in this room. God, I pray for every person who threw up a hand and admitted that, God, right now they feel like they're in that season of just pure mayhem where things just seem to be coming apart at the seams and things seem to be going sideways in, every, in many arenas of their lives. And, and God, they, they're questioning and they're fearful and doubt is beginning to take over. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage they need to, to remain faithful through the fear, to remain obedient through the doubt, to trust you when it doesn't make sense, to recognize you in the fog of all that's happening around them. And God, I pray that you would just bring peace to their hearts right now, God. That you would speak wisdom and truth and peace down deep into their soul and may they just know who you are and the reality of your love. And God, for those who are fortunate enough in this moment to be in a season of miracle watching you do great things in their lives, God, I pray that they would operate in a spirit of gratitude, thanking you for who you are and what you're doing in their lives. And God, I pray that you would use this season to prepare them for what lies ahead. God, following you is unpredictable. We never know where it's going to take us and what it's going to look like or how much it's going to cost or how long we're going to be there. But God, we're going to trust you. And we're going to know that as long as we're walking with you and as long as our eyes are fixed on you, as long as we're trusting you and walking in obedience to you, that we're, we're going to trust the promises of your word, that you work all things for the good of those who love and trust you. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Will you just celebrate him, church, this morning? Give him a praise offering. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.